Welcome to Winging It Motown Radio. I'm back from the dead, from my hiatus, from wherever the <laughs> hell I was. I'm Jeff, Jeff Hancock. You may remember me from such podcasts as Winging It Motown Radio two years ago. Uh, I'm joined by <laughs> none other than the lovely JJ from Kansas. Hello, sir. Hi. My beautiful bald friend, Graham. Hello. Hello. And the one and ugly, the most ugly person in the history of this podcast. Mr. Uggo himself, Kyle, how are you? Wait, what the fuck? Well, you called me ugly last week, and I wasn't even on the podcast. Oh, that's right, I did. Okay, I just okay. Yeah, okay, you're ugly. Oh, absolutely. Your dog is beautiful, though, but you are. Yeah, he's pretty cute. Yeah, no, I'm a huge piece of shit. That's fair. You're not a piece of shit, you're just ugly. Same thing. How are you, though? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Had a couple Manhattans tonight that I made myself. I'm, I've been ad- adventuring into Manhattans and old fashions recently. And I've ah, you're growing up. It. I've become an oh. adult. Congrats. Uh, but, but who else? You know who else has become an adult? The Red Wings. They won their first game <laughs> season t- uh, Monday, and it was fun because they weren't losing, oh. and losing sucks. So first off. I just want to tee up JJ before anyone else because JJ, after the last game, said Mike Green should be benched. Mike oh, yeah. Green responded <laughs> to that by scoring a hat trick. Clearly, JJ, please apologize. I just want to start off by saying you're all very welcome. Um, <laughs> had I not called for Mike Green being benched, because he made two awful plays at the end of that Florida game. He did, yeah. Um, Coming over to help out DeKaiser where he didn't need instead of staying around the front of the net uh, to lead to basically what was the back-breaking goal and then just giving the puck away for the empty netter. Um, I admit I was emotional and I said some things that I probably shouldn't have said. Um, But I have to recognize that Mike Green probably hangs on our every word. And he saw that and he thought, damn, I got to get back in Wim's good graces. And that's, that's what happened. Either that or he just got really mad. He's like, you don't fuck those guys. Exactly. Or he was playing Ottawa, and Ottawa sucks. <laughs> Ottawa's garbage. Holy shit, they're bad. Yeah, they beat Toronto, though. Toronto <laughs> sucks, too. Yeah. Graham? I'm happy that... Uh, yeah, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, Kyle. I'm happy that uh, they they won tonight, because I didn't really want to for them to lose, like, three straight to open up the season and then have to talk to you guys about it, because I know we would have all been grumpy and... Actually, no, that, that would have been really nice because that's like me and my natural habitat. It's a bunch of grumpy assholes. So nah, either way, it's good. Graham? Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, they <laughs> reminded me of the first 10 minutes of the Tampa game. Oh, they yeah. actually looked good. But then they scored goals. So that was also nice. And, um, it, you know, the big thing for me was that they got the two at the end. So I, I, I'm no joke. I spent most of that third period just waiting for that second yeah. Ottawa goal where it, yeah. then it was going to be tight going down the, you know, down to the end. And I thought, God, I just, I can't do this. I can't do this all season. So just they, and then yeah. green got the fourth and it was like, Oh, thank God. Just, just a nice, easy win. Brazic didn't have to do too much. Um, yeah, this was, I've missed this. What was last, what was the last one they had like this? I mean, I mean, it, I, I can't even remember last year. Is last what season. Win they had that win. Sometime last season. <laughs> but, like a, but like an easy win where you're like, yeah, this, oh yeah, middle third period, fine, they got this, lockdown, whatever. 
I was uh, I was I was thoroughly convinced that once they scored that shorthanded goal, I'm like, ah, it's coming off the rails. They're they're fucked. They're it's over. But that's just me being. Then you remember Ottawa. Yeah, but then still, it's like, yeah, no, it's perfect for them to blow this lead against a team like Ottawa. This is going to be poetic. Um, but that's I only just me got nervous. Domestic. Yeah, I only got nervous if Carlson had the puck when he got the puck. There was yeah. one play. I don't remember the specifics of the play. Exactly, but he came in and the two defensemen backed off him after he yeah. crossed the blue line. I thought, well, this this is gonna end up in the Red Wings net. Why would you do that? <laughs> you can't do that, to Carlson. You have you have to attack him. Don't give him space. And then uh, they didn't score. So I thought, oh, you know what? It's their night. Yeah, Carlson is horrifying. Another guy, another guy that I felt that way uh, with uh, with Ottawa. I always have this. Uh, um, uh, Mike Hoffman, just because I know he's really really good at scoring goals. Um, so that was that was one. But then I, I, I like I had like a realization tonight about Ottawa is that outside of Carlson, their defense is awful. God, like I don't know any of those players. Like they're so bad. You've never heard of Fanuf? I'm being sarcastic, Jeff. Jesus okay. Christ. But no and even Fanuf sucks. I mean he's garbage. So bullet dodge on not trading Brendan Smith for him. <laughs> Time will tell on that. I'm what? <laughs> no, never mind. That's, oh, Thumbs that's down. That's a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. I get it. Uh, uh, you know they got Cody CC and Patrick Weir. No, wait. They traded that guy. Yeah, no. Patrick um, Weir. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Erickson was better than any defenseman not named Eric Carlson for the Senators. And that's what, isn't that crazy, though? Erickson's been, like, actually effective in his role. Yeah, he was really good. Like, as a, you know, a limited minute, kind of, like, third-pairing, kind of, rotating around like i think he's been really he's been fine i haven't i haven't, I, don't, I think i've only had one of those god damn it erickson moments like maybe once or twice so far so that's good well yeah sticking with, i was just gonna say sticking with the defense have, have we kind of settled into some pairings i mean at least for now until cronwell comes back if he ever does uh you know you've got Woulette and smith to kaiser green and then mm-hmm. erickson with marchenko i mean is that kind of you guys cool with that yeah i think uh he's going yeah, I think I think I like what we've got right now. And you know what's funny is like uh, they the defense looks way better than I thought they were going to look. So uh, I'm I'm you know despite losing two games to open up the the season, which was kind of expected against Florida and Tampa, but um, I think that they've done pretty well for themselves. And uh, you know they did what they needed to do tonight, and that was beat a, a team that's not as good as them. So. Um, I think the defense is fine. I think Mike Green, you know, he's, I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to score a, a goals every night, but he's been effective offensively in the pot and the power play looks really good too. But again, Ottawa. So, but either way, it looked really, really, it, it looked real nice tonight. So I like that. Well, they only got four chances in the first two games and they went one for four in those chances. So. Right. Um, and even in there, I, th- I thought the first two games, the power play looked really good too. Um, and honestly, I, I, the Ottawa game is is really uh, yeah coloring my bias here, but you know had they lost this one, it would it would be oh, all God. doom and gloom. But it really shows like there are the differences between the Ottawa game and the first two games in Florida. Uh, number one, the ice is way better in in Detroit, and that showed the the passes were just crisper all around. And two the the boards the the Red Wings are just not used to playing on road boards. Like they do a lot of the try to bank it off the boards up. To, up and out of the zone. There were a couple of screw-ups in the Ottawa game. Uh, I remember Marchenko specifically tried to do that, and he ended up turning it over inside his own blue line. Um, mm-hmm. 
but they are way better at, at working that. Um, obviously, Ottawa isn't as good a team, but even then, like looking back with, with a bit of time to calm down after the two Florida losses, that's two really good teams, and a lot yeah. of the mistakes that the Red Wings were making were just the little timing errors that you expect mm-hmm. that they'll that they'll get better at. So yeah, right now we're sitting at one and two. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough season regardless. Like I, but there's a lot of positives to take out of out of even this bad record mm-hmm. right now. Well, one yeah. Yeah. I'd say is the line of Vanek, Nyquist, and Helm. Yeah. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, that that line looks great. And uh, I thought the Tatar Zetterberg Larkin line they looked dangerous tonight. Um as bad, yeah. Yeah. So, looks so one goal they got was was Zetterberg to Helm. Yeah, the Zetterberg's pass to, to yeah. Helm. I want that like tattooed on me. That's so Yeah, sick. I think stick with these lines for the next game. They worked. Uh Athanasiu was pretty good, made the fourth line look somewhat effective. Mm-hmm. Uh first line looked Look good, honestly. Even um, even the Nielsen line, I, I I'm still Abdicator and Shane together. They're like anchors. They're just they seem like they're just going to drag down whoever. But I actually thought they played better tonight than they did in the first two games. So mm-hmm. I, it's it's a winning lineup. They won fairly handily. Um, you yeah. don't change this going into Wednesday against New York. You just you know you stick with this. Maybe you give it another shot if if you play it well again, regardless of result. If you play well in New York, and you know, then you stick with it. Maybe you found the, the foundation for your lines, and you stick with that going forward for a while. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that, that's the thing. Like, so I think that Nielsen line just got pounded tonight. Um, they they really did. They got they got some tough tough competition. But um, I thought I think Zetterberg looks good for for what it is. Uh, he, he looks like he, you know like it, like how every season starts. He looks really good to start and. You know, as the season progresses and the old man catch in him catches up, um, that'll probably that'll probably be the case again, unfortunately. But um, for right now, it works. I don't know. Like, I thought Larkin looked really good tonight, but there was just something it didn't. I don't know. I don't know if it was just the, maybe the penalties that were being called or something, but it seemed like something was off. But you know, all in all, he was good. I just I, I I'm mostly bummed about Tatar because he had. How many freaking chances, like doorstep oh, chances? At least three on the yeah. on power play. And it's just like it's bad. It's got to be bad luck at that point because like he is doing everything right. He's he's like bulldogging the puck. So I'm I'm really pleased with that. But I really want to see him score because he deserves it because he's playing really well. Yeah, yeah it's just how long can he's a like guy a be hitter? Where, yeah, yeah, you know, like a hitter where he's making really really solid contact, but it's just going right at guys and he's making outs. I mean, it's you'd almost get the sense that he just just needs to get one and then it'll just like they'll just the goals will just start coming for him because he's right because he's not playing poorly uh um, no, tonight he just he just could not get one he just couldn't put one in the net possession wise against ottawa uh nielsen ended up just a, a minus two in corsi uh which is actually among the better on the team because they were fighting yeah. against score effects most of the night Abdicator and shan uh, did kind of anchor, but uh, Abdicator Shan Nielsen, I think, is a line I would be okay giving a little, a little patience to. That's going to take some time, um, yeah. but they're doing pretty well for shutdown as it is. And uh, yeah, that Vanek Hellman and Nyquist line, like Vanek and Nyquist are our two best four checkers right now. It's not even yeah. close. Like yeah, they are consistently cool. getting in, stealing the puck from people, finding guys out front. It's uh, it's freaking amazing. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I was like, saying, I've never seen Vanek play like that before. Like, I did I've like never... what I saw from Athens to you. Um, yeah, I thought he was trying to do a little bit too much, but that's yeah, fine. I mean, the guy's out there with, with Miller and Glenn Denning, so you kind of want him to try to do too much rather than yeah, yeah. spend too much time passing on. And I agree on, on Larkin. I thought Larkin looked uh, a lot better. It's it's getting real unfortunate. Like, he keeps getting penalty calls, and, like, he's not drawing any. Uh, there yeah. was that one play where he uh, bounced up on the boards, and then he just got freaking tackled, and there was no call. Yeah, uh, that, that interference call that he would have had a clear breakaway. Yeah. It's just going to it's gonna come around on him. It's I, I don't want to call it a, a slow start for him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's only three games. But, right. yeah, I, I've got I've got real high hopes for him. And I've, I've liked him on the power play, too. So um, I like the way the lines are right now. Um, I'd still... Like, I wouldn't mind other changes. Like, Miller has been entirely invisible for three games, if you have noticed him. Probably a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed him a little bit more in the offensive zone but than, than in the defensive zone, but he's basically just not there. Would no. you rather have Ott in over Miller? No. You know, actually, after, after seeing the first yeah. game, I thought that on that line against Tampa Bay, Ott was the best player of those three. I would probably take Ott over Miller. But the thing is, is that I don't... They were having Ott take face-offs in the defensive zone on the penalty kill. I, just, I don't like that. Like, just let Glenn Denning take him. Like, he's good at it. And, I, you know, I, I get it. He, Ott is, like, a, a technically a centerman. But, like, he doesn't need to be taking face-offs. Like, just let him be out there and do what he needs to do and hit people and punch people in the face, whatever. Just, I don't like him taking face-offs. He is faster than Miller. He is definitely faster than Miller. <laughs> Takes more penalties, though. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Fuck it. I want Mantha there. So. Oh, well, sure. I mean, in a perfect world, what? You move Ablocator down, and then Mantha's up with Nielsen and Shein or something like that, or you move Shein down, something like that. But this isn't a perfect world. It's a, it's a, it's a men's league. It is <laughs> absolutely a men, men's league, yeah, for sure. I... <laughs> God damn it, Jeff. What else you got, Jeff? <laughs> Sorry, you put some chatter in the the chat box thing, and I was like, "What's what happened?" <laughs> it says, "Come back, Kyle," but I don't think Kyle ever left. I mean, we wish he would have, but he did. It it did sound like he was like leaning away from his microphone slowly. Really? Yeah. Microphone's right in front of my face. Well, tonight I leaned over to pet my dog. Well, that's, that's probably, probably this is not interesting radio. Obviously, tonight was. We, we are happy tonight was a good night, but yeah. overall we're three games in. It's still too early. I know Kyle and I were talking about Nolan Patrick via text message the past <laughs> couple of days. Uh, and however the hell you say that defenseman's name. It auto-corrected to LOL, Jeffrey, when I was texting you. But just as a whole, I mean, has your thought process changed from when a week ago going into the season. I mean, we all weren't expecting a Stanley Cup. We were expecting this to be a bubble team. Do you think it's now going to be harder to be a bubble team, or are you expecting a top-five pick, or is it still too early to tell? What, what are I'm, your thoughts? I'm personally expecting, at best, you make it in as a wild-card team, and at worst, you probably end up with, like, you're not get. I don't think the Red Wings are. They're not bad enough to get a top five pick. It's not going to happen. Um, so you're probably like you're pretty much in Boston's like like where Boston has been. Like you're you're a lottery pick, but you're a really 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 slim lottery pick. So 
that's probably the worst. You probably get like a tenth overall or something like that, which is really good. But this draft is, you know, particularly thin. So whatever. But I don't think they're 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 like a top lottery pick, and I also don't think obviously they're a team that. I mean, they could maybe slide into like the top three in the division, but God, that would that would be miraculous at this point with the teams that are you know they're they're going up against. So it makes them a bubble team. Yes. Yeah. yeah, just just like expected. We're going to have highs and lows all season long, but I think that as long as we keep reminding ourselves that this is going to be a bubble team and yeah. trying not to get too angry about the fact that it's it's basically being done on purpose, because I know like we all want. Uh, I think it, we're all on the, uh, basically on the same page. They're like we're willing to risk the streak in order to play more of the kids and make sure that we're better positioned, even if it means getting a higher draft pick and and ending up like only the tenth draft pick. I'd I'd be okay with that, right? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah. The, yeah. Like the worst thing that we can have happen is missing the playoffs by like one point or by and a tiebreaker. Fourteenth like overall. Yeah. Yeah. Or even getting swept out of the first round and getting a, a shit pick would suck too. So, right. um, sadly, I, it, it seems like that's what we're going for. Ken Holland has a, you know, he, he he talked at length today about how he did, or yesterday, since you're listening to this on on Tuesday, um, about how you know the the kids aren't the answer, and I can't bring them up because they'll. I'll I'll ruin them because they'll lose confidence. And, oh, I wanted yeah. to smack him listening to that interview. He's getting real, real good at those. Like, like he basically sets up a straw. Like, he, you know, he's listening to the complaints of the fans. Like, those are at least getting to Ken Holland now, where people are like, "You said this isn't a cup contender. What the hell are you doing? Intentionally making this a bubble team?" And he doesn't want to say it's all about the streak because you can't pull the curtain back and and reveal that uh, because right. then that pisses fans off. As a general manager, it's not just Ken Holland's job to win hockey games. It's Ken Holland's job to keep fans coming. And I know right. that that we, the constantly blogging, always talking about the Red Wings, wake up to look for Red Wings news, uh, go to lunch and look for Red Wings news. Uh, we're going to follow the team no matter what, and we're going to complain. But, but Ken Holland isn't selling the game to us. It's already as sold to us as it possibly can be. For yeah. the, the casual fan... He's got to sell that false hope, even if he knows it's false hope. So these these criticisms get to him, and essentially what he's doing is he set, you know, he sets up these straw man arguments about how you know your only choice. Is, well, of course I'm not going to play the kids because I don't want to rebuild for ten years. Like we're not fucking asking for that, Ken Holland. We we're yeah. okay with with taking a little bit more risk, but he can't he can't do that. So it's just it's annoying. And listening to him like basically talk down two straw men. Uh, he's getting real tired. Yeah, I think, honestly, honest to God, for me as a fan, all I want is a fucking plan. Like, you don't need to go out here and say, listen, we're going to blow this motherfucker up and it's going to take 10 years. It's going to suck um, and it's going to be painful. Like, even that, like, even if Ken Holland came out tomorrow and said, listen, we're probably just going to blow this shit up and rebuild for the next 10 years. I'd be like, I respect that. That sucks. But you have a plan. That's great. But Rebuilds don't take 10 years. You're not the Edmonton Oilers. You know, you're, you, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not convinced that Ken Holland is any smarter than anybody running the Oilers right now. But whatever, that's neither here nor there. The, the, the fact of the matter is that there is no plan. It is literally autopilot right now. Like, it's just like, I just want to get from point A to point B. I don't care if I limp there. I just want to make it there. But we don't know where point B is. That's the problem. So, it's just like Ken Holland is just limping, like just basically 
plugging holes on this, I don't want to say sinking ship because that could be a little bit more dramatic, but I'm going to say it anyways for lack of better terms, plugging holes in the sinking ship, and they don't have a destination as of right now. So, you know, it's, it, it would really be nice for him to at least maybe come out and say, you know, uh, you know, let's say at Thanksgiving, uh, by Thanksgiving or even Christmas, if they're outside looking in, not really looking too good, say, all right, well, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and we're going to we're going to reload. We're going to reload. We're going to sell Vanek. We're going to sell Smith. We'll maybe even sell someone else and we'll get some draft picks and we'll restock, open up some roster spots and start moving into a new a new era, a new a new look outlook. And uh, this is like that's going to be the big thing for me is like I want to start seeing some sort of plan, but I don't think we're going to. So that's just frustrating. And I honest to God, like I can't stand listening to Ken Holland speak anymore just because I don't know. He's just there's no it it, it sounds like he doesn't know what the hell he's going to do next. And it's just very upsetting. What drove me crazy was it was it was the Stoney and Jamie show on the ticket and Stoney had asked him about the salary cap, and he's, you know, he mentioned Erickson's contract, and he mentioned Helm's contract and Abdulkader's, and he's like, "You guys are kinder in salary cap hell." And Holland basically goes, "Yeah, well, every team's in salary cap hell." But I just, right. I was like, it was infuriating because, okay, Erickson's contract was on the books, but you just signed Abdulkader to the extension, you brought back Helm, you didn't need, you know, you brought back Miller, you brought back Ott. You didn't need to sign all these guys. Maybe you sign just Abdulkader. You you don't bring back Miller. You don't sign. Uh, you you don't bring back Helm. You're not in hell, and you have cap space there. And and it's just going back to the whole play the kids things in the rebuild. We're not asking for all the kids to come up. We're asking for Athanasiu and Mantha pretty much, and yeah. and Bertuzzi probably to get a look after the preseason because he had a good outing there. You yeah. know, it, it's it's let them fine if they're going to start on the fourth line and then work their way up like guys like Franzen did back in the day. That's one right. thing, but it's like we're we're not saying blow it all up and give us a first line of Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Mantha. Yeah, all we're yeah. asking is that when Ken Holland says, oh, these kids have got to take somebody's job, that we get either an answer or some kind of clue as to what the fuck that means. Right. Uh, because if they want Tyler Bertuzzi to You got to slap someone in the face? Yeah, if they want Tyler Bertuzzi to be a grinder, I th- I would say he stole, he took a job this this spring or this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so just stop fucking lying about that. Or like, if the kids aren't the answers, then you, then at that point you're basically admitting that you're shitty at drafting too. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee that that opening night loss to Tampa, if you have a fourth line of Bertuzzi, Abdulkader, and Helm with Mantha and Athanasiu in the lineup that night, that loss is a little easier to take because at least you go, okay, well, you know what? They got some some youth sprinkled in the lineup that's, you know what? It's, there's going to be some growing pain. Growing, exactly. You know, you, 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 you understand that losses like that are going to happen. Um, but when you see your, your fourth line of three grinders that anybody who's paid any attention to hockey in the last five years knows is a terrible line and you see them get predictably caved in possession wise because they're getting matched up against Stamkos and his line and they just did whatever they wanted with the puck on on the ice every time I mean if if casual fans and and people who kind of pay attention to the game can see that it it hurts me to and think why can't the management and coaching staff of the Red Wings see it? Like, why did so many people think that OMG line is not going to be a good line? 
It's not. I don't know what their maybe because our expectations are don't suck, and their expectations were yeah. whatever they thought that that line was going to do, which they did because they sucked. So because I because I mean it was grit and stuff, and I don't know that just I I will say this I am. I'm, I'm, I think Blashill is trending in the right direction because immediately after the first game, he brought Athanasiu back into the, the lineup because I guarantee he's it's, if Ken yeah, Holland right. is getting the completes. So is Blashill. I mean, Blashill knows. And, and I mean, the reporters are starting to ask him about Athanasiu because he was, he was dynamic last year in the little bit of time he got. And even, even the, the diggers here who just basically just, you know, act as glorified, um, PR people for the wings. I mean, they still have to ask the questions about, hey, Athanasius, he draws more penalties than anybody, and he's got more points per 60 than anybody. Why isn't he playing? And the fact that immediately after the first game, Ott came out, Athanasius went in, and he went in on the top line. <clears throat> to me, yeah. that, I, I was happy with that. I still have concerns about Blashill. Um, I'm not as high on him as I was at the beginning of the year last year, um, but he brought him in yeah, he moved him down to the fourth line. I, the optimist in me says he moved him down to the fourth line because he wanted the fourth line to get a spark, and he thought Athanasius would make the fourth line better. So it was more of a, it's not a demotion. It's a, hey, you're going to make this fourth line better and give us an effective bottom six rather than you sucked on the top line, beat it. Go down to fourth line purgatory. Yeah, it's a, it's a upside-down promotion. Ass backwards. Speaking of grit, we're a fighting team right now, huh? Lead the NHL and fighting majors, right? <laughs> and you know what's funny is that it, the, this quote from from Blashill on, on them leading the league in majors, and he said he likes it <laughs> verbatim. I like it. We said before the season we need to stick up for each other. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, oh, God. Like, I like Blashill. I think he says – that's the thing about Blashill. He says, like, some really – like. Like some shit that will make you feel really like, like okay, it's encouraging. And then he will say something like that. And it's just like, what the fuck? well, first off, I don't know who the hell's asking that question because I'm sure there's one digger there who's just getting off to the fact that they're fighting every game. <clears throat> Koopa, I don't know who, but just it's just like you know that's a, that's Blashel. Blashel, like he said, like he's a smart coach. I know he is, but he does say some stuff where you're just like. Oh my God! You're hanging out with Ken Holland way too much. And you know, what? I'll I don't mind the play, fighting. Yeah, I'll happily play devil's advocate on this. Um, I don't like stage fighting. I think I it's garbage. I think it's stupid. The other night, but I don't think any of their fights so far have been staged. I think that they've just been angrier. And like at last, Red Wings would not do so much. Now Erickson's fight um, in the first game, where what was that? Ouellette got yeah, Ouellette got rocked, but. Looking and I understand like it, at at full speed it didn't look like a, a clean hit. Um, it might have been like a tiny bit late, but I don't care. Like it basically wasn't something that Erickson should have uh, picked a fight for and got an instigator and canceled out the the power play we were supposed to get. Um, even that like that's that's probably the worst fight they went into. It was it was, it was stupid to do. Um, I didn't mind it. Like because it's the code. My problem with that is like even if it follows the code. Uh, Erickson not power bombing Palat or, or ragdolling that little shit because he's like way bigger than Palat. Uh, that's basically a loss. So don't stand up for your teammate if, if you're not going to pummel the guy. Well, that and and they were were about to get a power play. 
You know, yeah. I mean, one of you have to kind of understand. Yeah, and I, I think they were down, right? Weren't they down 4-3? Yeah. So, uh, and it was their, I think it was only going to be their second power play of the game. Yeah, they needed that it. Was the first one where they scored. So they needed that power play. I mean, Erickson, I, look, I get you sticking up for a teammate. I'm a firm believer of you don't, I don't think guys should have to answer for clean hits all the time. Because if you lay out, if you, if you do a clean hit, it, it, that's part of the game. Um, but I agree with JJ, real time, it looks like you let gets hit in the head. So you want to, you want to protect your teammate, but I, I would have much rather seen him just go over maybe a little, little face wash, nothing crazy to preserve the power play. So only to preserve the power play. If there's yeah. no power play, go crazy. You want to fight him because you know, you want to stick up for a teammate. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. I don't mind it. Um, and I, I kind of like that. They're not, it's not odd. Yeah. Like if it's all the- running around like an idiot, just, trying to fight people like Neil was doing tonight, then no, fuck off. We don't need that. That's stupid. But yeah. these are these are genuine reactions to this happening on the ice and just emotions are boiling over, and then the fight's done and it's over. Yeah, like uh, Smith and Schuster was kind of a, a dumb fight, but it wasn't staged. It was because the, that was when Ott and in or about to fight and then Garrison came in as third man and, and didn't get called it, it is what it is with Palat yeah Erickson should have grabbed him and shaken him given him a, a real mean Swedish blue steel look and said I got your number motherfucker um, and then probably done something cheaper and dirty to him a little bit later on that's that's the code who cares um, the fight with against Fanof was I thought a, a good fight it was just two guys who were pissed off at each other fine let's do that um you know, it's it, it, Cheyenne dealing with uh, oh, whoever the hell it was that hit Nielsen, uh, uh, Bori Bogovecki or whatever his name is. Gorbieski. I don't know, but he's really bad. Ugly Sam Worthington looking motherfucker. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is whatever. I, I do. I'm not like for the concept of fighting, but like of, as the enforcer role. But you know, if they want to, if they want to stand up for themselves a little bit more, eh, I'm not against that either. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm with you on that. Like the fact that stage fights are complete BS and they need to go away. But I guess it just depends on who's fighting. Like if Steve Ott wants to fight someone, fine. I mean, that's what you're engineered to do. Go ahead, fight, have fun. Um, but like guys like Brendan Smith, I don't like I don't like seeing him get in fights because I don't like having him off the ice for five minutes because I think he's useful. Erickson is like, you know, you want to fight someone, sure, go ahead, fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just like I don't want to see Smith. Try, like, And Smith has been kind of like hot-headed so far this season. And, I mean, that's – I guess it's, you could look at it in a positive way and say that he's he, – he gives a shit and he really is taking it to heart. But at the same time, I kind of want him on the ice because, you know, he's one of our, our, our better defensemen. So, um, you know, it's, it's the same. Like, you know, if Larkin tried to fight someone, I'd be like, all right, that doesn't need to be happening. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That, that's just how I look at it. I mean, if they want to fight, if that's something they want to do, sure, great. But you know, in the past, in this era, teams who fight a lot don't really get a lot of shit done aside from lose and, and fight. So, um, I like to focus on the hockey playing more. Yeah, you're. That is a real slippery slope between like we got to stand up for ourselves and like only do these like emotional fights, and yeah. you're just being a, a touchy boob who wants to. You know, you're more worried about evening up the score with your fists than with goals, and right. I don't care about that shit at all. No, it has to be 
like you shouldn't be fighting once a game. It should be every now and then, maybe. And if it's a, if that's like a trend with the Red Wings, then I'm, I'm I can't get behind it. They want to just like turn it into like this like thing. Like, well, we stand up for each other. That's, that's what we do. It's just like John Tortorella bullshit, and I have no interest in it. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> looking at the the post we have here, positivity corner. Uh, I feel like we've been decently positive throughout the podcast. Wouldn't yeah. you say? Do do we want to go a little around the league before we do reader questions, or do we want to just jump right to reader questions? What do you guys think? We can talk about the league a little bit, right? I mean, There's Austin, not much to talk about. No, nah, I mean, Austin Matthews scored a lot of goals. Uh, Connor McDavid's good. What, do you, what, do you, what are your takeaways from this first week, the first couple days so far? Um, well, I think that for me, uh, I think that Florida and Tampa are going to take this, this division easily. Um, I think Montreal is also really good, but something tells me that that dipshit coach is going to do something to sabotage their actually good team. Um, and that dipshit general manager. Um, but outside of that, I don't like I, looking at the West. I don't really know. I don't really care. Like the West is boring to me this year. It's not, you know, I mean, the only thing I really, you look at PK Subban in, in Nashville, which is awesome. Um, I mean, he scored that goal in the, in his first game and he did that, like uh, that cowboy, like goal celebration, which was amazing. Um, I'm really looking forward to watching that more because I think he's probably one of, if not the best personalities in like in the NHL. And, uh, he, uh, you know, he's definitely needs to become a face of uh, a face for the, not only, uh, like the national franchise, but, um, the NHL as a whole. And he would never do that in Montreal because, um, I mean, Montreal is just, I, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but I think that Montreal he, that, that whole trade began with the fact that he's, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. This might be too inappropriate, but I think that it's because he, I think that he was just a, they didn't like the fact that he, he was just a man of color. So um, I think that he's a the most exciting part about the NHL right now. Him and Connor McDavid. So I, I look forward to watching them. I think that, and I also think the Oilers they'll be bad, but Connor McDavid is still going to be really good. And I actually watch Oilers games now just because of Connor McDavid. So. His penalty shot, the goal what was the yeah. opening. The first game was just nasty. Yeah, he's sick. He, like he's gross, and I can't wait to watch. Like when they come, I think they come to yeah. When they come to Detroit this year, I'm definitely going. I'm going for him because and the Red Wings. I mean, I guess the Red Wings. Question here from our uh, lovely producer Justin: Does it seem to you like the goals are up? There, there's more goals being scored early on in the season right now. Well. JJ said something. I think we talked about that like a, uh, a day ago, and, and JJ kind of brought up a good point. It's like, yeah, coaches will start to get boring, though. And Why doesn't JJ give us his point? Yeah, JJ. I was happy with Kyle just making my point for me, honestly. Uh, <laughs> it just feels like, I don't know if, if the stats back this up, but it feels like we start off every year with more goals. Mm-hmm. and then, More like, goals, more fun. As yep. the game, like as we get into November or December, and then like the real midseason grind, like coaches just make the game as boring as possible because that's how you win games. Like you can't consistently win six to five anymore, and you don't want to try it because that just pisses everybody off that you allowed five goals. Um, so it'll happen. Well, you even said yourself, I would rather win six to win or lose six to five than win or lose one nothing. So yeah, absolutely. I would rather, like, yeah, 
trying to win one nothing sucks, and it's just not fun. No, not at all. And winning one nothing isn't that fun either. So, I mean, it's fun because you won, but yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways you can have an exciting one nothing game. Um, but like, it, it involves the goaltenders doing a really good job. Basically, yeah. the low event shit just isn't fun. Yeah, goalies playing well isn't fun. Fuck them. What I like about Connor McDavid is like he seems to me the the prom like he's essentially my Crosby. When Crosby came into the league, like I fucking just hated how much everybody like drooled over him and loved him. Like even though I had to respect that he was good, um, I'm just gonna like going all in on McDavid though. Like he's oh, sure. he's that guy. Like yeah. I don't care. Like everybody else, you get tired of of me talking about him. I'm just gonna talk about him. He's amazing. He's way better than Austin Matthews, which I love too. Oh yeah, sure. And I'll love him until he, uh, he he beats the Red Wings in a uh, in the Stanley Cup final. Well, it'll be a long time. <laughs> uh, Graham, you got anything about her uh, just from around the league? From the uh, around league? the league, I, I I think this is the year that you see the overall balance of power shift from the West to the East. I think ah. that the West is going to have a couple of good teams at the top, but I think you're going to see teams like the Kings and the Blackhawks, and I think the Blues, I think, think they're going to regress a little bit. And I think the East, you're going to see more high-end teams. I think I think you guys hit it. Uh, Kyle hit it. Tampa and uh, Florida are going to – I think they're going to run away with the division. It's going to be those two, two all year. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to be ridiculous. Washington's going to be really good. Um, but I think when, when, when you get into that middle section – I think the middle section of teams in the East are going to be better than the middle section of teams in the West. I think the West is going to have a couple of really bad teams. I think Calgary's going to be sh- shit. Edmonton's going oh, yeah. to not be good. Vancouver's going to be awful. If the Red Wings can't go out to Western Canada, which has typically been a tough trip for them, and get, get five out of six points, streak's over. It's like <laughs> it'll be just because that that should be you should be looking at four to four to six points off that road trip every time with how bad those three teams are this year. Um, I think Anaheim's not going to be that good until they get Lindholm signed and they make, yeah. and then that, see, there's a caveat to that because it all depends on once Lindholm signs, what they do. Yeah. They're going to move stuff. Yeah. They're going to move and what, you know, what they, whatever they do, I'm legitimately surprised they haven't done it yet simply because I feel like once they sign Lindholm, then they become desperate and you know, you have GMs that, that are going to try and take advantage of that and well, maybe get a little bit lower return because because Anaheim's going to have to do a, a, a salary dump. Yeah, they have to, to do the dump first, right? Because you can't yes. send Lindholm because you go over the cap. Right. I mean, right. You, you figure it'll be it'll be like kind of like this weird a weird sign and trade because it'll it just it, yeah. they'll trade somebody else then sign Lindholm and make it official. Right. Um, and I'm sure what they'll do is they'll come to an agreement in principle with Lindholm. Not actually sign it and register. Right. It'll end up being with the, yeah. And, you yeah. Know, so, yeah. So and, and and Truba, you know, Truba's still out there too. Because I think what is it, December first, they have to sign by, or else they they can't play this year. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you got that deadline, and I know Winnipeg's going to want. But again, I mean, are they going to are they going to burn a year of Truba? I can't imagine that. No. It would be really dumb. Gonna... It would be dumb on both parts to do that. Like if I was a player and it was like coming down to crunch time, it's like, all right, I'll just like let's just do like a one give me a year one year deal. Yeah, give me a one year. Give me a deal. one year deal so I can play. I'll you know I'll suck it up and then next year trade me. Yeah, you have more time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it, that's a, that would no, be that's that's I don't know. Yeah. 
But yeah, I still think I, I honestly end up Lindholm's not going to get traded. That won't happen. Truba, it, Truba, I think is going to get traded, and um, I don't think he's going to play for the Jets this year. Uh, and uh, that, that that it makes it really interesting because he's obviously going to go to an Eastern team. Uh, you got to think, and uh, I don't think the Red Wings are in the mix there because they just can't do it. They don't they don't have the, the flexibility. Um, and that's the fault of Ken Holland. I mean, I would absolutely wouldn't 100% mortgage up Anthony Mantha and other stuff to get to get Truba. I think he's the kind of player that Red Wings need, a young defenseman, shifty, can play in all situations, can play upwards of 25 minutes a night. I mean, that's your guy. And he's a Michigan kid, so if you want to go with that narrative, which they love to do. Um, so I, But I just I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but branching out onto what you were talking about uh, with the, the shift of the, the power, um, the Blackhawks, I think they're, uh, I, I think they're, I think they're done. I think they're, I, they're, I don't think, I, I don't think they're going to return to what they were. Their, their bottom six forwards are this horrific. Yeah, I mean, I, you really know, bad. like they, they've, they trot out these lines and I mean, it's tough when you live here, you can't help but see it. And I've seen them tweet out like, practice lines mm-hmm. and it's like that that's garbage it's garbage mm-hmm. once you get into the bottom six uh, you know i mean uh, taves is going to carry around the the go the corpse of dick panic all year and you know I mean, he'll have games like he did the other night where he gets the hat trick but i don't know i mean the central the central's going to be competitive the pacific's going to be awful yeah. um but yeah no i agree i i think the blackhawks are going to take a step back i I'm not going to say they're going to miss the playoffs because I still think they're good enough, and I think Crawford's good enough to keep them in in almost every game they play. But I don't know. I don't. I I don't look at the Blackhawks and get that same fear uh, that you kind of get over the last couple of years. I think they've just. I think that cap has just finally taken its toll on them, and I'll probably be proven wrong because I'm usually wrong about these things. But yeah, I don't know. I think the window. I, I do think that window is starting to close on them a little bit. I just don't want them to get that fourth cup either, because I just I want to want to keep that in the back pocket for oh, yeah, for, trash, sure. for local trash talk here. So, oh yeah. <laughs> well, the Blackhawks window might be closed, but our window for readers' questions is opening right now. Fuck all of that. <laughs> so, I'm gonna look out that window, and I'm gonna ask JJ. If he's ready to ask us some questions, JJ, are you ready? Did you just imply I'm like standing on the outside of a window? Yes. Just ready for read, like some kind of weird creeper with reader questions. Yes. Man on the ledge, it's just sitting there with cue cards. It fits, honestly. Perfect. Uh, Rhode Island Red 2 starts us off with uh, Do you think Cronwall will improve the defense if or when he returns? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, you would think, yeah, but uh, I mean, dude, think about it. He's had the same knee injury for how long now? Uh, it's not going to be 100%. So, I mean, I watched Ouellette skate tonight and I was like, damn, that kid's so good at skating. Cronwell isn't that good at skating anymore. He's clunky. He's like a clunky skater. Like, he used to be so smooth with his stride, his lateral movement. Uh, now it's just, it's it's not good. And I don't know. I mean. I, I don't know where, I mean, 
you know, we're kind of basking still in the afterglow of the win from tonight, but right. where, does, where does he fit? <laughs> if you're going with those three defense pairings, yeah. where do, who, who comes out? Oh, Erickson? Because Erickson, you let, but he's, he's been pretty good. It's the Erickson standard-wise, he's been pretty good in a third-pairing role, which is what we've said all along. To Kaiser, um, to Kaiser Green clearly worked. So, not gonna. De Kaiser has De Kaiser looked better um, the last two nights. I'm sorry, it was Erickson Marchenko, by the way, yes. not Eric Ouellette, So Smith Ouellette. right? Smith Ouellette, Um, which has been a good pairing. Let's look. He's looked good first three games. Smith's looked pretty good. Couple of mistakes here and there, but overall, I think he's been been pretty I mean, good. Let's- Let's be I, honest. I don't know who you take out. It's it's Ulat because he's the yeah, it's they're gonna take him out. It and, be. and that we'll see if they just slide Cronwall right in next to Smith and see how that works. It'll be a, it'll be a disaster. Probably. Sensibly it makes the most sense uh with Smith. Like yeah. uh they're both basically the same style of player. Smith is a better a way better skater. Um Cronwall is uh a little bit smarter. Um <laughs> a little if Cronwall comes back in, he's going to want to get back on the power play. And right now, it's he either takes Smith or Green off, and they're not taking Green off the power play. And bumping him off, bumping Green off the first unit for Cronwall would be um, a mistake on par with letting a giant wooden horse into your city. So I don't know. Like it, it just makes sense that it would be Smith that gets bumped or traded, maybe. Um, but the fact that it, like it's not obvious that. Like it, it, you can't, you have to delay before you think. Hey, do we even want Cronwall back at this point? That's that's as telling as anything. Uh, Xander Fort wants to know about the goalie plans. Um, he's pretty seriously against Howard, but uh, the the bottom line is that uh, Jared Crow has looked really really good, and that may give us a little bit of flexibility in terms of what exactly we do. Um, obviously, the Red Wings uh, want to move Jimmy Howard. He gets paid more to be the less consistent, less good goalie, but the problem is that that is two things essentially working against him in a trade. Yeah. Um, so is it just, do we just keep the two goalies we have all year and then like make grow yeah. the backup whenever he can? Um, does it make any more sense? I know we've talked about this a few times in the past to potentially move Peter Mrazek, uh, and go like for, for defense and see what Howard and Corot can get us through the, re- through the rest of the year. Just, uh, that, just say fucking gamble. That would be a bold ass move, and that would be the kind of move that, for most teams, if it didn't work out, the GM would lose their job because that's that's bad. Because I mean, you look at Mrazek, and you know, when you look at the young goalies in the league, you know, they, they're usually just a, a handful of names that come up, obviously. You know, you got your big names like your Matt Murray and uh, your Connor Halibut and stuff like that. But Morazic isn't really the guy that you trade. So at this point, because the Red Wings need they, they need his longevity as a player. Um, and then, you know, I, obviously, if you can't trade Howard, you, I think they're just going to have to ride it out. And, and do the, what is there two more years left? If I was a betting man, it's they're probably just going to ride it out and just let him go after. Like I don't think they're going to trade him um, unless he gets taken in the expansion draft, which I don't think he's going to because we all know that Ben Bishop is going to get taken before him. So um, or Mark Andre Fleury. So um, yeah, Bishop's a UFA next year. Yeah, oh, Bishop's, yeah, a, right Bishop's a free agent, so that's 
Damn. So that kind of pl- throws a kink in that one, but um, shit. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm pure speculation. I wonder if with Jonathan Quick getting injured in L.A. Um, and uh, I was trying to. There was another team I was thinking of that got off to a rough start goaltending wise. Oh, uh, escape now. Um, it, it's escape. Whoever it was, but I mean. I wonder if Holland, maybe not wonder, I hope Holland is saying, like, hey, just FYI here, we've got a, you know, you need a goaltender. We've got a goaltender here who, you know what, if you've got a guy who's been in, who's going to be out for three, four months, we got a guy who we can trade you who will fill in admirably until your starter comes back. We'll take your, you know, we'll take a backup or something back or whatever. Because I think they could make that trade. And, you know, you're going to take a hit on it from a, from a return standpoint, but that's the whole point. The whole, the whole point is to try and get out from this contract and, and basically make it a, a salary dump. So, <clears throat> I mean, what's the plan? I, the plan is probably that they're going to ride him this year as the backup and then just take their chances in the expansion draft or, or try and trade him next year. That's, yeah, that's my, that's my gut. Um, I, I think we'd all like to see Howard get traded early, not because we have anything against Jimmy Howard, just because if it's going to happen, you know, get it done so that you can get some some cap flexibility to would, make some moves if you do happen to be in a position that I, you're going yeah. to try and make a, a playoff run because, you know, planets have aligned. And, yeah. And I, I think, you know, when I, shit is at, if you didn't, when I look at it and, like, when I step back and look at, like, the, the, the broad picture of things here, Howard... Is that really what they should be trying to do right now, like actively? And and they hear me out on this, and that's because, you know, obviously they're in a position right now where they need defense. They're not going to trade Howard for defense straight up. I don't think that's going to happen. It's not like you're going to trade Jimmy Howard for Jacob Fruba. It's not going to happen. Um, so when when you go down the road, if, if, you, if you figure out, like, looking at a broad scheme of things, you know, he has two years left on his contract. He gets paid a lot of money for being a backup, but they're getting by right now with what they have. And they I don't think that there's going to be a move that and it's not like you're trading Howard for a roster spot for like a player that's going to be an extra forward or an extra defenseman. You're talking about just you're trading him and then you're moving another goalie in. So you're just getting that money. Um, while cap flexibility is always really important, um, the Red Wings have done a really damn good job at moving around the fact that they are hamstrung by a bunch of bad contracts. So um, I'm not so much worried about moving his contract right now as much as I am getting value out of the contracts that we have, like in terms of trading them. Um, and I just don't think Howard's going to return anything. Like, you know, I, I mean, you'd be like, you know, we all say like, uh, got a fourth round pick for Jimmy Howard. It's like, oh, great. But it's just like, I don't know. I feel like that's that shouldn't be on top of the uh, top of the uh, the list of priorities for the team right now. I think the top. Well, the bottom line is, I think that trading Jimmy Howard will get us closer to getting Jacob Truba than trading uh, Peter Mrazek would. Oh no, for sure. But it's just... he clears like another one point three million dollars in space, and so yeah, basically what you're doing by trading Jimmy Howard is you're literally just trying to make the space to make a different move to mm-hmm. where you don't have to trade Gustav Nyquist uh, to make it dollar for dollar. And so, yeah, you'd take a fourth-round pick for Jimmy Howard 
and just say, okay, Corot, you're, you're our backup now. And we, right. our, our great benefit was that we cleared a shitload of cap room. Right. And what I'm just saying is that moving Jimmy Howard for the sake of moving Jimmy Howard, doesn't, it just doesn't move the needle for me. Like, if you just trade him and that's it, like, you don't move, there are no moves that come afterwards. I don't, like, that. it just doesn't move it, the needle for me. It doesn't make me any more excited. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you move Jimmy Howard, there needs to be something else that happens. You know, you need to go out there and you need to throw, you know, trade Jimmy Howard for a third-round pick and then put an offer sheet in on somebody or something. You know, like, just do something bold and make a move. I, you'd move your hand up and down on that needle the entire time you're waiting for the second, the next shoe to drop, though. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Timmy Timmons wants to know, now that the uh, salary cap structure has been in place for a few years now, uh, like a decade, yeah. uh, is it working for the NHL or is it hurting the NHL? I don't know how to answer that. Um, Maybe. I don't know. You, you had, what, Blackhawks-Kings, 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 the Bruins and the Penguins sprinkled in there. Yeah, I mean, it's still kind of been the same, what, a handful of teams. Yeah. I think the one thing that, need, that the NHL needs to fix is its its draft lottery system. I think that needs to be changed. It needs to be revised. Uh, I think the team needs uh, the, uh, the league needs to do a better job at preventing teams of tanking. Um, but I mean, that's a completely separate topic, but I don't know, I guess, I guess, I, I guess it's made it, it's made it, you know, cause back in the day when you had the Red Wings where they had that unlimited budget and they could go out and do those ridiculous moves, um, and have those superstar studded, uh, rosters. No, that was exciting. I, <laughs> think Red Wings fans. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting going forward now. Like you see, who's the, the, the kid out of know how to pronounce his name in, in in Arizona. See what happens out of that with with he's this young analytics darling GM, right? Like see, see what happens. Yeah. You know, maybe he starts this new revolution where then it becomes this more analytics based front offices and, and, and the old school guys kind of get weeded out. Eventually Ken Holland gets weeded out and maybe then you get more balance and we'll see where the cap salary cap era goes from there. But. I, I, I think you're going to see that the best front offices are going to have the mixture of the analytics and the scouting. Scouting doesn't go away. Um, I mean, you can have all the analytics in the world, but if you don't have the scouting to go with it, it's. I, I think you're only getting half of the half the information. Um, what I think it what I think it does is I think it forces general managers and front offices to be to be creative with how they build teams for long-term success but what i do think you're going to see is just the nature of uh you're going to see the you know i mean sports are cyclical where teams really good then they fall apart then they become you know it, it like that happens i think you'll see that get accelerated over a longer period of time so i don't i don't think you'll see a team go on a 25 year playoff streak i think those days are over especially with the way they now have the 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 play, how you get into the playoffs where you're within the division. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that uh, you will see teams, if they're smart, cycle through their good and bad a lot quicker. Because, it, I mean, what will inevitably happen is you'll get the teams that were bad. They will, get, they will load up on young, good, cheap talent. They will use that, supplement those young, cheap guys with the right mix of veterans. 
show some success. Those young guys are going to get older. They're going to start to make more money. They'll have to jettison the, the depth that got them there. And then those, the old, those young guys will turn into old guys. They'll leave. You start over. Yeah, it's so, a it, 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 that's that's what you will see, and you'll just see it quickly. What I'm interested to see is, is there going to be a GM who is going to cut those superstars loose before they become too expensive and hamper the team completely? Like, Maybe. Like, because you see in Chicago, you got Taves and Kane, they're making a boatload of money. You look at Tampa, signing Stamkos and Hedman, those were good deals, but that's still a lot, lot of money. What are they going to do when Tyler Johnson comes up? And Kucherov's deal runs out. I mean, there's you, yeah. there there are a number of teams that are really good right now who have, have some very difficult decisions to make in the next three to four years if they don't win cups. I mean, if you win cups, then it's like, great, we won cups. Let's just, you know, just ride these guys and, you know, it's all sentimental. But if what if Tampa doesn't win a cup in the next three years and all of a sudden you got Kucherov who's got to come up and you're still paying Stamkos who's now in his 30s and you've got Hedman who... I mean, he's still really good, but you're gonna, about to give Tyler Johnson a big race. There's a lot of factors there. Yeah. So, you know, the funny thing is, you know what teams used to do before the salary cap with young superstars who they couldn't afford for one reason or another? They sold them to other teams. That's the thing is, I don't, I don't think the the salary cap has brought parity in the way that people think it has. Um, yeah, it, it speeds up the the organizational cycle where it makes more sense to. Uh, you know, like on mini tanks for a little while um, and set shit up. But ultimately, I think it has, and I hate saying this, I think it has been good for the league because I think it's made the league more stable. The cost certainty, uh, the Red Wings could have spent themselves into oblivion for the last 10 years and and been totally fine. Um, But we're starting to see the results where Carolina is a budget-conscious, exciting young team. Um, Nashville has their eyes on the cup and prior to the cap they were essentially a minor league team for the league uh they sold off basically all of their their young pick everybody who started getting good they couldn't afford they'd sell them off uh to get picks to basically restock that sell-off um it still kind of happens that way anyway because of the way the the salary cap works but having the cost certainty means having more stable teams um and honestly i don't think that uh that a big league is a bad thing so um reader holy holy jumping um asked this question uh would a luxury tax system be any sort of improvement to the cap rules in your opinion no i'll Uh, I'll, I'll jump right on that Uh, i don't think so um i hate like the nba where they have like the bird rule and the luxury tax with like the mid-level exception and the bi-level exception and they've got all these weird loopholes where like the cavaliers whatever the cap might have been like 70 million dollars last year they actually had a salary cap of like a hundred or salary of 125 million like it it it, no yeah it doesn't really make it any better plus the basketball is is weirder anyway because you can win a championship with way fewer good players True. Than in than in hockey. I mean, you've got fewer players on the roster anyway, so it's right. it stands to reason. But I just don't think that it works as a as a model for for hockey. Let's see, JM eight seven six five. If you had to give a percentage of the chances the Wings make the playoffs, what would it be? Ten percent. I was my yeah. initial thought was forty three. Thirty five. JM eight seven sixty five is at sixty percent. I think I'm closer to him than any of you downers. Speaking of which, JMH, great initials. 
<laughs> good, good call. Oh, that's your wife's. Uh, yeah, that's your wife's initials. Nope, those are my initials. No, that's my your wife. wife's too, isn't it? Nope, Jeffrey Malachi Hancock. I thought her middle name was Marie. No, it's Rose. Ah, uh, okay. Fuck off. Weird. That that you're so concerned about his wife's middle name, but you know. No, I frog just thought. Tea, I guess. You know, whatever. I'm. You know, uh, whatever. Grand. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Bert Kyer wants to know if if Florida gets an advantage because essentially they get to play like all the same teams at the same time. Um, Kind of like it basically, you know how like every year we go to the the Western Canadian road trip where Uh, we take on you know Calgary and Edmonton, and it kind of works the same way in Florida. Basically, every team goes down there and plays both teams. Is there an advantage or disadvantage to that? No, whatever. I don't. I mean. Not really. I mean, it's no different than anybody else, right? I mean, Detroit gets lumped in with other, like they used to get yep. lumped in with Columbus. Guys, you know, teams would do the Detroit Columbus trip. So I, I think An- that Anaheim comes out east. They go to Detroit. They go to Toronto. Then they'll go to Boston. Like yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's two. It's two teams. Like it's. It, yeah, no. If anything, it's bad because they spend a bunch of time in the sun and they suck. So whatever. I, the only way I would say it would be is. Is if they played, if they got a lot of teams on the second half of a back-to-back, but that I don't think that's the case. Yeah. More than more than other teams get that advantage. So, uh, quick answer note: uh, Groot Scott wants to know: Do you think we made a, make a trade for a D-man at some point during the season? No. Jeff. <sighs> yeah, and Smith Graham. is involved. Graham. Yeah. Yes. Uh, because of injuries. I think we trade so away. Trade that a necessity. Uh, EW now is assuming that Manta is the first for the call-up of the season. Who do you think is the second forward in line? EW, you write for us. You're not supposed to ask us questions. Tan right. Grady. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mitch Callahan. Bertuzzi. He gets, I he mean, gets it, the call. I like, I, like, I like that. Yeah, Bertuzzi. It should be Bertuzzi. Yeah. He's so I think, good. I, I, think, I think the preseason earned him that, that call-up for the look. I, he's oh. not going to be like what his, his uncle was, but... He uh, he, oh. he's that kind of a player. Plus, didn't I boldly predict he'd score two goals this year or something? In the I don't know. Who cares? I think I did. Yeah, I, I don't remember, and I don't want to go look. So, I think depending if it's a bunch of injuries to the top six, we'll have uh, Svechnikov first. That'd be great. Uh, PA Wingsman, what would you take from the Joe Lewis to Little Caesars Arena? Uh, obviously, banners and things of that nature are being moved. But what about the things that aren't, such as the bouncy boards? Maybe something small and significant to you that helps make the Joe the Joe for you. Oh, it's got to be the urinal troughs. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be those shitty, smelly, putrid urinal troughs. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Yeah. It's just such an experience. Um, Honestly, I hope they take Bud Lynch still. No, they would. Yeah, well, of course. No, can, they leave, can they leave the, the DJ there, though? Oh, God, please. That'd be fine. I want to get an get an actual oh, organ in there. Yeah, I, I, that'd be fine. I wouldn't mind if they could somehow incorporate the the stairs outside to, uh, to an entrance somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? and you know what? You never yeah. think about that. The stairs to the Joe. God, that's that's like the best part. Almost like going through the Joe is like you have these big epic stairs and. Uh, yeah, I that's a good one. The hockey game is probably the best part when you go to the Joe. Whatever. Shut up. <laughs> Next question. People wearing red. People wearing red wing underwear on the outside. 
outside of their pants is actually the best part of Red Wing games. At the you dome. all, you all love me. <laughs> you all love me. It's true. Grandma Flarkin, what's everybody drinking to make it through the season? Uh, anything. I well, can Jeff's, on, I Jeff's on the. Well, Jeff's on the bourbon train now. So. He, he actually yeah. wrote Woodford Reserve, which is what I drank while I watched the game tonight. Yes. Or last was, night, or who the Senators game? A nice and spicy one. Yes. I, I um, made. I made a Manhattan. Wild turkey. Uh, any brown liquor. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I got a free bottle of Bullet, so I'm, I'm going to drink that soon. That's a good deal. Nice. Uh, water. <laughs> Water's good. I'm drinking water now. It's a oh, dumb, yeah. bad answer. I don't care. Uh, Detsupian Slurp. What a nice name. Ugh. Wants to know about what happened with uh, Sadaway and Renouf. They didn't Basically, take what someone. happened to them. They didn't. They didn't take someone's job. You got to take someone's job. It's man's league. You got to slap Blash on the face and take someone's well, job. Salway does did did not impress as much as the other guys. Uh, Runoff kind of did, but he got hurt. I mean, wait. Are you talking in terms of making the NHL team? I'm curious what happened to these two guys. In the scrimmage games that I watched, they both seemed like big, smooth skating players. Sadaway seemed to play at a pretty high level relative to the other prospects. And he's older also at 21. Did he fall off a clip in camp or what? Renouf, in the limited chance to watch him, seem like a force on the offensive blue line. He showed a lot of patience with the puck. Hopefully sometime with the Griffins will shore him up. I just don't seem to hear his name bandied about for the future, given the lack of current puck-moving blue liners. Am I missing something about him? I mean, Renouf is a project defenseman. You have to give him time to develop. Uh, you know, they got him for free. And it's the same, like, a satellite, like, He's also going to be a project-type player, but he has a lot of upside. Uh, it, you know, they only gave up a third-round pick for him, so uh, they, he was undoubtedly probably one of the, the better deals the Red Wings made in the offseason. So um, I think that, you know, you just got to give him time. So why will he's going to play time on the bottom six in Grand Rapids, and Rodolfo will play as a bottom four defenseman. And, you know, if they don't need to come in and, you know, shoot the lights out. Yeah, this is basically the the first professional year for both of them. So the the serious look probably isn't going to happen until next year. Uh, They really need to impress in Grand Rapids, and they'll be given all season to do that. And they're way down the food chain, you know, by anybody else. So you got Bertuzzi, Spetsch, and Bob Mantha, whatever. But they'll all get put on waivers soon. Yvette S19 says, the other day I read an interview over on Pride of Detroit, and they they had with Ty... Detroit Lions tight end Eric Ebron. You guys see yourselves being given access to interviews of such caliber with starting <laughs> or how would something like that even come about? Uh, no. Um, it, it, it won't happen. It's not we have happen. asked the Red Wings for access every year and we have been denied every year on the concept of they don't uh, credential bloggers. It's uh, basically it's except basically, for Duff, except for Duff. Uh, well, Duff, Duff and got a couple of others. The Windsor Star. There's basically okay. if they like if just, they put out I'm just bitter a magazine of any kind like Michigan Hockey Now, um, then it's it's looked at differently. So I guess if we can get wait uh, Nation to start printing off our page, we need a, a printing press. I could we yeah. could figure that out. Google do like the committed Indian hand them out at the games. Yeah, sure. but um, that's, that's the thing. Uh, we, under the current regime, as long as Ken Holland, Ken Holland is on top, uh, I don't foresee it changing. Um, there are younger guys within the organization who uh, see the value in doing that. We would love to be able to uh, 
Uh, some of us. I, I don't care about it. But I yeah, know I'd love to go to 41 games a year and cover the team. I'd absolutely love that. I'd love to have a sit down with uh, with Luke Lindenning and, and say to his face everything you want to say to him. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. And I'd love to sit there and just stare at Mike Green and tell him how much we look like. Would you guys would you guys do the thing where you both move in the same direction like a mirror? No. You'd wave your hand and just you'd see it. No, not gonna do that. that. No. It'd be pretty funny. <laughs> no, the Red Wings basically uh, they run on the the concept of uh, outlets like Free Press, uh, Detroit News, M Live have been in games or been attending games and covering the team for so long that they it's basically they've been doing it for so long and they've always. Uh, acted accordingly and, and very you know yes remember that's what they told us like that's you know we are you have to have, so basically we just get to go to training camp and we just have to hope that what we do um impresses them and they're like oh well maybe you can call on too hope it's not a strategy yeah we yeah, are too exactly. irreverent we're too irresponsible and we don't have enough to answer to basically they can't uh, cost us our jobs if we say two if we say mean things right. about them so they're not interested in that. I mean, you think all the the diggers are essentially PR extensions. Uh, we're not PR extensions. So, and I don't foresee Wim changing to become that just to get credentials. So, no, absolutely not. It is what it is. Um, follow up on that. Uh, also says another thing I was curious about was how many people listen to these podcasts, and do you feel any sort of nor- notoriety being prominent staff members of Wim? I think you should. Also, says, thank you guys for hard work every day. And thank you. Thank, thank you, too. My pleasure. Um, we get a decent number of listeners. I think uh, last podcast we had like 1,600 downloads, um, and we're just kind of getting into it. Like, we peak at, at like 2,500-ish. Um, for notoriety or like getting – like, I, I remember last time we got together, like, we joked a lot about like walking around like, oh, hey, we're Wim. Uh, love us. Uh, we did get recognized at in Denver – yeah, she made a the real Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah he was at the game with, tonight. Yeah, 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 pretty good friends with the people sitting in front of us. Um, yeah, they're like, "Hey, we love you guys," and that felt really good. But uh, yeah, I'm not in Detroit often enough to really get to the benefit of being like a whim big shot. And I don't know how many people in Detroit I want to tell that I that I run <laughs> the whim Twitter anyway. Yeah, you of all people. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I've. Got, it's not one of those these kinds of things where you can put a name to the face very well unless, you know, it, it, it's tough. So um, I've been to a Wings game or two before where someone has kind of pointed me out, and I was just like, why do you know me? And because I'm confused, I really honestly don't know. And it's because, you know, you're the wing in a Motown guy. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, hello. So, you know, that happens every now and then, and it's really cool. It's humbling. But, you know, at the, at the, at the end of the day, I am the same person – the, the, I'm the same person as the people writing, reading my stuff. I'm, I'm the same person. Like I have a day job. Uh, I go to school. I watch the Red Wings every night, and I'm emotional. I'm emotionally attached to the team. Same thing. I'm the same person as you are. Uh, I just somehow was given the privilege of writing on a platform like like Wing at Motown and SB Nation. So well, that's that's usually what I try and tell people. That I'm no different from your average fan. I just got really lucky so how about you graham you use the big whim cloud over in chicago um we we did um i did a meetup it was a couple years ago uh where i went to a, a, a there's a michigan bar downtown and it was for wings i don't think it was wings hawks i don't think we did it for that 
And, you know, a couple of people, I mean, there were a couple of guys that I knew that I was going to meet. Uh, Nate Beal was one of them. Um, yeah. And uh, um, Jeff Parker met them. And then a couple other people noticed. I, and actually, I think when we were in Denver, Kyle, didn't we get recognized in line buying beer? Yes. I feel like somebody was like, hey, aren't you the Wim guys? Like, oh, weird. Yes, we are. And then they didn't buy us beer. So, you know, fuck you guys. I mean, <laughs> you see a celebrity you're supposed to offer. But to if them. you're listening, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, honestly not really i mean i i've i've met actually i've probably met more people that are affiliated with the that are blackhawk fans from the internet where they go oh yeah you're the winging at motown guy but that's just because we've interacted on twitter so they knew that anyway it wasn't like they recognized me on the street like you know with their pitchforks and torches just chase me down i also live like 30 something miles south of the city so really down here nobody gives a shit at all i tell people that like hey i write for a red wing blog and they're like idiot so. <laughs> yeah pretty much guys our age like you don't like oh hey i write for a blog oh you're a white guy of course you do yeah <laughs> true that's what that's what you're supposed to oh you jeff you rolling in the the window over in boston no no they're just a bunch of assholes here assholes <laughs> yeah no i've i've met up a few times with the the some of the stanley cup of chowder folks and cornelius is a good dude and uh laura the active stick came down once uh to boston for one of the wings games i actually met him i'm an asshole myself because i've lived here long enough uh there was a nice wings fan couple from new hampshire that came down for a game once and i had beers with them and they were very nice people i don't remember their names and that's why i'm an asshole so (laughs) (laughs) all right moving on we got uh Three more questions. Great. Uh, baby Arts. Yeah, we're, we're heavy on time. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, if people have stopped listening by now, if they were going to anyway, they can, no, see how much, they can see how long these episodes are. They'll be fine. Okay. Baby Larks, if Wim was the current Red Wings, which player most resembles you based on your personality and role within the Wim team? Uh, JJ would be Steve Ott. No, not true. <laughs> no, you would be Steve Ott. I've been here longer than all of you. I don't care. You are an instigator. You are Steve Ott. No, JJ I'm, would be... <laughs> I'm just kidding. JJ would probably be Cronwall or Zetterberg. I'm Zetterberg. I'm the captain of the team, and J- I don't get as much uh, respect as I deserve. You're Drew Miller. You're, no, in three years, in three years, you're Abdicator because Zetterberg has moved on. Abdicator's the new captain, mm-hmm. and you don't mind stirring up shit, but you've been there the longest. <laughs> there you go. All right, fair enough. So, any. Well, I, well, I don't know. I guess I guess I'll just go ahead and say I'm Ab, I'm Cronwall or Ab, no. You know what? Graham is Cronwall. Um, that's, I'll that's go ahead and fair. Yeah, yeah. Graham is pretty much Cronwall for the most part. Uh, I'd say that Jeff is Brendan Smith because nice. I don't know what else, I don't know what else to call you. I try to model my <laughs> life after him. <laughs> um, and you know what? I don't really know what I am. So why don't you're, you guys? You're Mike Green. Jeff is Brendan okay. Smith because he doesn't mm. contribute anything. Oh, <laughs> I, it's I true. I did a morning skate. <laughs> I signed up for two. I signed up for two of them. And I'm I'm really looking forward to those two. You do good morning skates, Jeff. Oh, you good. do a great job on morning skates. You really do. <laughs> well, I finally I'm opened up to the cut sheet, and they were I, all they were all taken until November. I was like, Yeah, oh, I know. We're really killing it. I was I like. Know. I don't even know who half these names are. Yeah, JJ and I have a really easy uh, job right now. Kyle is probably Tar. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, uh, Boisterous wears hard on his sleeve. Uh, a lot of people still hate him anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. 
I, I would say Riley Shayan, just Kyle. Kyle's Riley Shayan, just because they both like dogs. Oh yeah, the dog pictures. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. And I'm not Glenn that, Denning like Glenn do, Denning likes dogs too, so he could be like his favorite player. I'm basically the entire bottom six. Fuck it. Yeah, you're you're everybody. <laughs> doing a line. Just all wrapped in one. Graham is the dependable uh, Nyquist guy. No, type. Graham. Graham is Jeff Blaschel. Yeah. They're both bald. Just the hairline. They're both bald. <laughs> Actually, when he wore glasses the other night, my wife looked and she's like, holy shit, he looks more like you now. He looked <laughs> like a nerd. Fuck you. Did you not hear what I just, the story I no, just I, told? Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I heard you loud and clear. I love it. This is amazing. By the way, Jeff Blashell with those thick black rim glasses is hilarious to me. He looks like he yeah, I don't know. It just... In like a dark room drinking black coffee or something. Hipster Jeff Blaschel. Hipster Jeff Blaschel. All right. Uh, that was a good segment. Acadia NA6 wants to know, uh, regarding NHL teams and player situations, do you believe NHL teams do enough to for their players to help combat things uh, like mental health issues, drug issues, and making sure players who may be LGBT have support? Uh, do you have any information on what these teams do to support the players? And if you believe they could be doing more, what would you like to see done? So here's the thing is that I don't know. Um, and because a lot of that information isn't made very public, and I, and I understand why. But um, I do know that when Pavel Datsuk came over here from Russia, it was just after 9-11, and the Red Wings provided a, some sort of support program for him because it was obviously very um, – I mean, it was very. It was a lot for him to take, and as 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 a young kid coming from Russia into a country that had just been attacked, um, you know, and that's just like uh, kind of reflects back onto my my article that I wrote about, uh, you know, with the whole Nail Yakupov thing that went on, where he was talking about how he basically is always alone and he like lives in like kind of like a darkness, and um, you know, it, it makes me wonder: Do NHL teams really provide for those players and? Personally, I, I don't. I don't think they do. I think they just try and build locker room chemistry and, and stuff like that, and hope that that works. And some for some it works, for some it doesn't. So I don't know. And I could be wrong because I don't really know. The, I mean, it, 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 it is. It's so hard to tell. But um, if, if I was a betting man, I, I would. I would guess that most NHL teams don't have any sort of program set up for that. I think there's pretty heavy support for you can play, um, but not as much. And I, I want to say that like a lot of it does feel like it's more lip service than anything. Um, I think honestly, in the la- the last two lockouts have made the the concept of the NHL and NHLPA uh, colder towards each other, um, much more business like, uh, a little bit less family like. But there, I also don't want to. I don't want to ignore the concept that. We tend to only hear the bad news more often. Like that whole the whole concept of Datsu coming over right around nine eleven and really really struggling, but also having that kind of support system. That was something that wasn't even written about until Album wrote it in like right. I think two thousand nine. So like we we knew that it kind of worked out. Like we can see the the drug issue stuff, like the bad part of that, like how it failed. Uh, like Wade Belak and how it, it failed Mike Richards. Um, honestly, we haven't seen any of the successes because that's kind of not our business, really. Like, I don't know. I'm sure there are players who have 
dealt with drug addiction issues and have gotten the help and have gotten really great support in the locker room, not just from teammates, but also from the organization that literally we just will never know about until they write something in the Players Tribune to let us know 10 years later. Um, so I think that it, it mirrors the greater overall society where we've got some areas where, you know, some play, some people get really great support systems built around them and it works out great. And some people get thrown to the garbage wolves by shitty GMs like Dean Lombardi. So um, I'd like to hear more about it because I like hearing good stories, but um, I, I don't know what I don't know in that regard. Graham, Jeff, anything? Well said. Yeah, I, I... I really don't have much to add to that. I think you guys kind of nailed that one. All right. And uh, the last question by Svetching Expectations. Nice. I like that name. Great nice. name, yeah. Uh, through the first two games, who has disappointed you most among forwards and defensemen? Oh, man. Defensemen? Uh... Brendan Smith. He doesn't have any points yet, and I expected him to have, like, five. I want to say Smith, but I'm going to say DeKaiser for his contract. I expect more for that contract. Um, forward, I will say, oh my God, no, I don't want to say Larkin, but he'd be up there. I guess I, 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 if it's fair, I want to say Tatar, but even though it's really not his fault, he's doing everything right. It's not that I'm mad at him. I'm just kind of disappointed that it just hasn't gone his way yet. It's only a dad. Not so much mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) Uh, DK and Tatar were also switching expectations answers. Oh, I'm not your best friends. Actually, that's me. Sock puppet account. <laughs> just kidding. What do you think, I'd, Graham? I'd go. Um, DeKaiser is a good one. I, I maybe just to, for the sake of being different, I'd say Marchenko on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, forward. It's mm. tough. It's tough. It really is. It tough. is because the third line's been fine. You know what? Advocator is probably the top one there. I, you know. Or Shane, right? Shane, Shane yeah, Shane's up there too. Either I don't. I, I it, it's not just. Um, it's not just like a point. Like Shane, just watching him, he just doesn't. He doesn't look good. I don't know if he's just. It's because he's playing wing now, and maybe yeah. he's getting a new position. But like in the Florida game, there were a couple of board battles that he had where he had the puck and he just and he just lost it, and it looked like it was just easily taken from him. And I remember thinking. That you, you've got skill. You've got actual talent. I'm. I, I was surprised by that. So I, I think early he'd be kind of an early candidate for disappointment for me. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Marchenko. Started the season on the top on the top pair and has since like basically been devoted all the way down to the third. Um, and yeah, Abdicator, Shan, uh, Tatar, just for like not having that finish. Um, Sure, any of those are, are good answers. What about you, Jeff? Is it just Brendan Smith and that's it? Larkin, I expect more from him. If he's going to be a superstar, give me more. Make more happen. Make your line mates better. That's fair. Uh, so that's the last question, right, JJ? That is. Uh, any final hockey-related thoughts? If they don't win on Wednesday, I will scream. Okay. Graham? Uh, if they do win on Wednesday, I will scream. I will Ed, also scream. <laughs> JJ? Um, I'm going to scream with the refs regardless. <laughs> it's very true. JJ is our, our team refs, ref truther. 
Well, I'm going to eat ice cream on Wednesday. And uh, for JJ and Graham and the ugly Kyle. Thank you. This has been Wigan at Motown Radio. If you've survived this far, bless you. Good night. Thank you.